0: Hello and welcome to the two friends from college podcast. I'm Daniel and I'm Matt. We use the podcast to discuss a wide variety of topics and encourage you to join us in the conversation. You can contact us on our Instagram page two
1: friends from college. Please feel free to message us there to suggest future topics or just to let us know what you thought about today's episode. Let's get started. So today we're going to start looking at quarantine, life in quarantine, our futures in quarantine, and analyze how it's been going so far and what it might look like in the future. We've been what in quarantine for maybe like, nine months, eight months? Is that about right? In this kind of life with pandemic.
0: Yeah, the time of recording this, um, November seventeenth. So we have been in quarantine. Yeah, I would say about eight, nine months, and at the in the beginnings of like a significant second wave.
1: Yeah, especially as we start getting back into cold weather, I mean, things are going to pick back up again. And and there's been a lot of recent news about potential vaccines and hope on the horizon. But for the time being, this quarantine has been our life, still is our life. And it's curious to think about what it might look like moving forward when kind of six months from now, even or a year from now, as we leave, hopefully leave this pandemic behind. How have you guys been doing quarantine, Dan, your family and kind of your lifestyle? What do you think is, what, for you? what's for, has changed for you since the uh, pandemic started? Everything. <laughs>
0: we took it really seriously. I'm, I remember there was like a sort of a critical week right there at the beginning of the pandemic. Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm coming home and my wife is like, hey, this seems really serious. Should you be going back to work? I took that Friday off the company gave us the ability to like not come into the office that Friday and then by like Saturday or Sunday the world shut down most businesses said do not come back to the office we were we were the people who were Cloroxing our groceries I would go outside I had a whole routine I would wear like Clorox wipe in one hand glove on the other hand I would like open the bag with one hand, move it over to Clorox it with the other hand, then place it inside the house, you know, wiping down our mail. I mean, it was certainly a lot of fear at the beginning. We, we obviously overcame that (laughs) as more information came available, but we've been taking it really seriously. We've we took our kids out of daycare. I have not gone back to work. My wife has not gone back to work. We, have been supporting businesses and restaurants with takeout a lot. And that's also a, you know, a a little, a little pleasure in you know, a quarantine life, but we pretty much canceled our subscription to swim classes and gymnastics classes and, um, and all sorts of things like that. Pretty much cut off our connections to friends and families. Didn't visit a playground for quite a few months. Recently we you know we, we started um, developing a bubble and spending time with people that we interviewed about what their what their lifestyle was and, and kind of how seriously they were taking it to try and sort of protect ourselves. But outside of like some small outdoor gatherings and, and you know play dates, it's it's
1: been pretty isolated. Yeah, I think it's been similar for for me as well. Been very fortunate that work has continued and I've been able to keep working 100% remotely, which I know is not the case for everyone. I feel this kind of work from home thing is not something that I was ever a big fan of, but obviously I've really adapted my best to try to like make the most of it. Some people I know are super into this whole work from home thing and they've, you know, set up a good system that works for them. I know for me, it seems like it's still been very difficult to stay productive and yeah, pretty much as, as productive as I would in an office. I don't know. How how has your work been kind of the work from home feel now that we've been doing this for what? Almost eight months.
0: Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of it. There there's, there's positives and negatives. And it's funny. I was actually talking to my boss about this today. I miss the office. I, I really do. Like, I remember in college you and I having a conversation near graduation and you you said I can't imagine going to a job where I have to wear a suit every day and I was like that's one of the benefits I can't wait to like have to go into an office and and be presentable and like invest in my wardrobe and I mean that's a small piece of it but I there were several things I really liked about it. One, I liked my office space, my setup. You know, I had multiple screens. I had like a comfortable work environment that was really well suited to me being, you know, productive. I also liked the um, the commute. I had a short commute, but it was also a, a long enough amount of time that it allowed me to gear up or decompress from my day. So after a meeting, you know, on my drive back to the office. Uh, I'm in a sales role, so I I commute and meet with clients. I'm one of those people who gets in the car and just like recites what I wish I had said over and over to myself in the car. You know, I, I need that period to overthink or analyze. And then it's also really great for me to decompress from the day. You know, like a 15 minute drive home is a great way for me to like mentally close out work and then come home and be ready for dinner time and family and kids and it's a lot. and the amount of time that goes from like, okay, I'm done to swiveling my chair around and then immediately in dad mode is not enough time. I'm like, I'm still kind of thinking about work and I'm like not focused. And I appreciated a little bit of that, that distance, that, that separation time. I, I, I found that valuable.
1: I mean, it seems like especially anyone with children or really young children, it'd be difficult to stay productive and be able to wear your work hat nine to five and then wear your dad hat five to nine, not have like having it be the same thing all the time. I have no idea how people actually get work done if they have a small child.
0: No idea. I can tell you for the first couple of months, it was near impossible. So my wife gave birth to our second child in November last year. And so she was still on maternity leave when this happened. So she was home with our, our newborn, and then I came home and then we brought our kid out of daycare. And so she went from taking care of one newborn child, which is a lot, to then taking care of two kids all day long while I was working. And it was it was, it was a lot for her, especially. But then she, her maternity leave ended and she had to go back to work. And so it was just the two of us and our kids and we were trading off childcare and working, trying to like fit in a full day. We did that for a couple of months, and it was one of those periods in our life where it's hard to imagine, like, how we got through it. Not the most sustainable setup. <laughs> yeah. There was, like, one other period in our life that was similar, where whereas, like, looking back on it, it's hard to imagine that we got through it. But that was really that was difficult that was a lot we've since gotten a nanny which has significantly helped it allows us to work more full-time but i mean i apologize for screaming kids in the background all the time to on client calls internal meetings i'm frequently you know getting up and handling you know an issue or a tantrum it's it's distracting and i do miss just being able to know that like hey i've got eight hours to just focus in on you know what i'm doing I will say the other side of this coin, though, is it's also been amazing to watch my kids grow up and, and spend this much time with them. For example, my first son, I just I experienced so much less of his first year of life there. I remember like crying in a morning leadership meeting with my office um, because I had, we had, like, a dinner outing the night before, and we had an early morning meeting the next day, and they were, like, asking for, like, some other commitment, and I was, and I just lost it because I was like, guys, I haven't seen my son in 48 hours. I live in the same house with him, and I leave before he wakes up, and I get home after he goes to sleep. Like, I can't keep doing this, and um, so now with my kids, and especially my second son, like, I'm not missing anything. So there's um there's a huge appreciation and it's not lost on me that like I will look back at this time and I will tell people how crazy quarantine was. But I will also be
1: forever appreciative
0: for the time that I've been able to spend with these kids like at such a young age. It's been pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, obviously a very difficult to be able to balance, but at the same time being there to actually have to balance like is a huge benefit. I definitely get that.
0: What's it been like for you working in, you know, an apartment or a small environment? Is Kiara also working from home and like, how do you guys balance work and home space?
1: Yeah, I think being in such a small place, I mean, we're, we have a one bedroom little apartment and we're both working, you know, nine to five every day at home. I think it's, it's very difficult just to have, be kind of cooped up in that small of a space the whole day. I mean, we, right now we kind of have a set set setup where I have At the kitchen table, I have a second monitor, which people that don't have a second monitor and are doing computer work, I have no idea how they do it. Like, to me, having that workstation type setup is invaluable. Like, I don't know how I would do without that second monitor. So I have my little station set up at the kitchen table. And then Kiara, she likes to work on a couch. So we're literally just sitting in the living room nine to five every single day doing work. And then we're in the living room after work to make and have dinner and then we're in the living room that evening to hang out or watch a show and then that's the day like we never we haven't left (laughs) this like small square area of space and especially but both of us do certain like conference calls and things so when we're I have a little spot in the bedroom that I have set up so I can put my laptop on the bed and I can have like a blank wall behind me for my little conference calls when I need to like hide in a different room. Which, again, super strange to like be just hiding in your bedroom making conference <laughs> calls and then like going back out to your living room. It definitely reminds you why it's nice to have that little extra space. And living in the city, it's not necessarily a commodity that everyone has. At least here, I'm in D- D.C. So I definitely understand why it's so nice to have a little more space a little further out.
0: I think that's, that's definitely true. I think the... Um... The definition of space is important. I subscribe to YouTube, uh, a channel called CGP Grey, which I can't recommend enough. Like, it's incredible videos. But one of the things he released during quarantine was just this thing about defining your space and mental health. And um, he made the analogy to, like, you're on a spacecraft, you're quarantined from the world, and you're in space. And he said, no matter how small your space is, you have four walls and you need to define those spaces for four different things sleeping productivity creativity and exercise and you need to do those four things and you need to define those spaces and only do the things now i feel like i'm getting it wrong cuz like relaxing and entertainment was definitely one of them but anyway you need to you need to only do the the things in those spaces so like in your example you should not relax and work in the same space i think work and creative was the same so like you should sleep in a separate space you should work be creative do something productive in a separate space you should exercise in a separate space and i think maybe you should eat in a different space and if you if you find yourself like relaxing or entertaining yourself in your sleep space you need to get up and go somewhere else and if you're If you're in your workspace but you're not working, you need to get up and go somewhere else. And I think to your point, like one of the reasons it's hard to be productive at home is because you're in your entertainment space, you're in your relaxing space. It's easier to work when like you're in a place that really only has the tools to work and be productive. And I think that um, just for mental health and to be able to do everything effectively, that's important. So maybe like a little tip for you. Um, I'm lucky enough to have like separate rooms, but I remember reading something on that a long time ago. And I, I always resisted putting a television in my bedroom because I was like, if I want to be entertained, I'll do it in the living room. But when I go into the bedroom, I want that room to be for like nothing but sleep. And it also helps you sleep if you, you're not entertaining yourself in your bed or scrolling on your phone.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense as well. Like So my work is kind of in this tri- tra- trauma crisis type field. And I, there's so many people that part of their self-care is not bringing that trauma, not bringing that crisis into their home, like making that safe space for them. Same thing you were talking about, like having a, an area that is for one thing versus the other. So I think that's been pretty difficult for a lot of individuals in that kind of a field to your crisis trauma stuff is in the exact same place where you're relaxed and like get away from tr- trauma and crisis is. And so I definitely see that with uh, coworkers of mine, how that's been really difficult living in that same place where you're working. I've also noticed as well with the, for me, thinking about my my space, having an outdoor space is something that I value much more than I ever did in the past. Like having like a balcony or somewhere outside, in my current location, I don't really have that. And that's something that I realize is, Super important when I'm thinking about kind of what I would want my space to be in the future, especially having spent so much time in such this in such a small space. It highlights those deficiencies for sure.
0: Yeah, I've lived in three houses at this point. From our moves and th- what you learn is what you don't want. Like you don't, you sure you have some ideas of what you do want, but more than anything, you realize like I need to make sure I avoid this or in the next place. And we've recognized that with our kids a lot. Like we just realized we, you know, daycare you just felt good because they had a curriculum, they had a schedule. Like your kids were getting, you know, were getting playtime, they were getting structured snack time, they were getting interaction with other kids, they did reading time. And that's one of the hardest things about being a parent in this, is that you're working full time and what feels like it always takes a back burner is your kids' needs. We're not missing meals or snacks or anything like that, but we're not structuring out a curriculum week by week. We're not thinking about like, okay, we need to teach letters from two to three and and reinforce these behaviors. We're sort of just surviving and so that's something you know, outside time, for example, is something that we just realized like, man, for two days straight, we've been trying to survive. And so we haven't even taken our kids outside. Like they ha- they haven't been outside. Um, they haven't run around and played because we're just, you know, putting them in the playroom and doing what we can to best survive the work day. And so, I mean, that was definitely a realization for us. I think being able to get outside, get some fresh air. I'm curious for you, I know exercise is really important for you. I don't think you were a member of a gym previously, but has that like affected your routine at all?
1: Luckily, I've been getting into a lot more endurance sports. So running and biking and things like that, obviously you can do during the like a pandemic again, not always. Um, I haven't been, you know, doing a lot of group workouts. I was with a, like a running team, which that was pretty much completely, you know, not happening for most of the summer, but the ability to still do those kind of endurance pieces is been really helpful. I know as we start to get into these darker months in terms of like, I mean, I finish work at five and the sun's already down. It is harder to be able to go for a run or go for a bike. But I think luckily the type of workouts I'm doing allows you to continue. I've been really struggling with the lack of, you know, there's no pools to go to swim. There's no, you know, group workouts, but depending on kind of what your activities are, like there are ways, of course, you can get around some of that. One of the things I actually started up doing in quarantine with biking is there's these vir- virtual bike options. So Zwift is this platform that a lot of bikers use and this ability to bike indoors again, you know, not just like a boring stationary bike like you may have done in the past, but actually feeling like you're riding places, riding with people, this kind of social aspect. It's been really interesting during this, you know, during times when we're not out with people with people and we're trying to find ways to have those same experiences indoors the virtual biking has been something that's really exploded and i've been you know really enjoying getting to to do that as well which is nice so how does that work is that like peloton so i just have like my road bike that i use and i have a like a trainer that you can like hook it up to so you can either like put your wheel on it or attach it to your actual like the metal in the back of your bike the cassette uh, so when what i have now is actually like a smart trainer so as you come up to a hill it's going to get harder to pedal as you're going down a hill it's easier and you actually they have these routes that you can bike through and bike with people and go do races in a again completely virtual world which has been really cool and something that i probably wouldn't have gotten into if it hadn't been a necessity during pandemic and quarantine times
0: so how does that work do you buy like a a kit for your bike and then you just set up your laptop and like log
1: in yeah so for you have you really just have to have your bike and have to have some sort of a trainer so you have like very basic ones that your tire just rolls on or you have fancy ones that actually like can make things harder or easier depending on you know what inputs it has and then you pull up your computer where you log log in and you can just bike along through these different worlds with people racing against people and it's all pretty standardized because however much power you're putting out the bike and the trainer knows that and so you can i mean now they have full competitions they have like pro cyclists and they had like a tour de france like virtual race they had all of these triathlons like iron man qualifiers they're doing virtually so on these these kind of courses so it's been interesting seeing that whole kind of world explode during this time when it's really necessary
0: that's really cool so what have you guys been doing to entertain yourselves to like get some sense of normalcy um you're trapped in a small apartment where you're living your whole lives um are you guys doing anything to you know recreate date nights
1: or movie experiences or like are are you are you doing anything It's really interesting that you say, because actually I did this um, UX design course like two weeks ago. Uh, UX is like user experience. And so one of the things for work, I'm kind of starting this new project. And during this course I took, the the whole kind of end project that we were working on was creating some sort of an app that would help to mimic a date night experience during COVID time. So like how could you find ways to help people have that date experience but obviously doing it within the confines of quarantine. So one of the things like we did was we tried to create this app that would be able to give you random ideas of different safe date nights. So, you know, game nights or going to outdoor event or doing like a cooking thing, like cook together with your, your date. And it's been interesting because that's some of the stuff that we've been doing on our own, finding new, whether that's cooking and finding recipes, whether that is ordering out you know, from a takeout place, And having it you know delivered whether that is like finding a new series on you know netflix to follow i think there are some ways to mimic that date night but uh you obviously have to really think outside the box or else it'll be the same thing watching netflix on the couch eating dinner each night of the of the week with kind of a very routine experience you know i think about people
0: that are going through quarantine alone i don't know how many people live alone without roommates i did um, at the beginning like after college and before I moved in with my wife and I feel like that might be like one of the worst situations um, I, it was pretty bad living alone like I always thought in college I wanted to live alone <laughs> and I there were definitely parts of it I enjoyed but like my sense of normalcy and routine went out the door with no one else that like was affected by my routine or no one else to feel self-conscious about being up at two thirty in the morning for no reason. Um, I feel like I developed a lot of bad habits and I feel like going nine months, you know, in and pretty much isolation has is got to be really difficult. So I think, especially for people in that situation, I wonder what it's like, you know, not having that social interaction and trying to find ways to, to bridge that gap.
1: I know a lot of my colleagues that, especially because in in DC in the city, there are a lot of I mean, a lot of people do have, have roommates. But you know, young working professionals, you know, living in their own apartment, like it is very isolating, and especially in a city that prides itself on going out and networking and going out for drinks and doing stuff with your work friends. Like it, uh, I know it's been very difficult for for them, and I've been super fortunate to you know have someone living with with me that really helps. The feeling of of not being alone and having having that support in the home, um, which I think is really important for me.
0: So is there anything about this situation that you appreciate or enjoy? I mean, obviously for me, like time spent with the kids is awesome in the moment. And I also I also just know looking back, like sometimes in the moment, it's hard to appreciate it as much just because it is a challenge. I'm used to like work was a bit of a break. Not that I enjoyed it or I would have preferred it, but like it was a break from the on-demand nature of parenting. I, so I've definitely appreciated the time with my family and like the memories I have like are just priceless to me. But is there, in your situation, is there anything that you've you've appreciated about this situation or is it, you know, kind of all sacrifices?
1: I think there's been a handful of things I've really appreciated. I mean, work-wise... You do. I do feel like I have a lot more flexibility. Um, you know, if I wanted to go and go for a run in the middle of the day, especially my work allows me to do that. I could go for a run, come back, take a shower, and um, you know, then keep working. Or you know, I can stop for lunch. I'm eating so many, so much more like actually home cooked meals rather than going out and, and buying stuff. So that's been a huge benefit. I also think that it has brought people together a little bit more. I mean, I, I have a lot of friends who like my high school group of friends, I would see them maybe, you know, if I would come back to Chapel Hill, but they've all started doing a weekly poker night. And so, you know, normally I join like every other week, but I see them more now during quarantine than I actually did when we were, you know, able to travel wherever we want to go. So I think there has been ways that people have, you know, been able to come together and actually be social and reach out to people that maybe they didn't think about before. Another great example is so Kiara's family or my, my wife's family, they're all um, international. So they live in, you know, throughout Europe. And so for a while, we were having almost every other week, we'd have this kind of group trivia event where, again, her entire family would be on a Zoom call, we had played this big trivia game. And again, that would never have happened when we weren't kind of, forced to find new ways to hang out and communicate but because of it we actually were seeing them more than what we would have done it otherwise
0: yeah that's a good point as of recording this this podcast has not gone up anywhere the basis not the basis of starting it but i would i would argue that a factor in creating it you know came from the fact that we were in we were in quarantine And this is by far the most I feel like I've seen you in the past several years. So I would agree with that. I would say that for me, this is more isolated. I don't have like a different thing to do each week. But yeah, I would agree, you know, catching up with family and friends. There's there's like a little more effort behind it. And um, when your life isn't filled with just back to back events that are happening to you, you're more specific about who you're reaching out to and trying to connect to so i think that you know i found that i'm connecting with a few people that i really miss or want to spend time with that you know i I wasn't doing as much previously what do you think will what do you think will persist after this like let's say you know we're six months in the future or however long it takes the vaccine is really effective the virus is more or less not a factor what aspects of our life are are not going back to normal
1: i mean i think that this idea of wor- of remote working is probably something that's going to be here to stay i mean i don't see why most offices will decide to you know pay a lot of money for big office spaces and have everyone commuting into work every day sure there's definitely types of work that that's super important and I think that even work that can be done completely remotely, having that time together really helps the team and helps the work. But the idea of coming into an office every day, I think for a lot of careers, a lot of jobs, that will probably be going away. And there were so many barriers, especially even for where I work, that you know why we didn't think that remote work would be you know very good or healthy or there'd be all of these flaws and the fact that we we're just kind of forced to do it. I think a lot of people realized that sure it's not great, but it is an option for a lot of people. It definitely can keep overhead costs, I think for a business, much lower if you don't have this, you know, these big office spaces and people can work can be productive working from home with maybe just periodically coming into the same place or having just workspaces rented out. I see that entire industry of, you know, remote work continuing to grow. I
0: see your point. I also like see a lot of reasons to disagree with that. So for example, the industry I work in is staffing. We hire a lot of relatively entry-level people and there's a lot of oversight and training and development that goes into them. We've been able to adapt and find a way to do that remotely, but we've always really prided ourselves on our culture. Our company is not built on hiring people of expertise and finding a way to to build an effective team with everyone who has the right skill set, we're more more so a team's full of driven, motivated people and that interpersonal reaction and interaction is really critical. I'm not saying we couldn't find a way around it. I'm not a dinosaur unwilling to adapt, but I do think there's a lot of value in rubbing shoulders with your coworkers. For example, in our industry, I think that we might be surviving currently and and finding ourselves to be pretty effective but i do think there's going to be a drop off i think that we have we're surviving and we've been pretty effective throughout the pandemic but i think we're relying pretty heavily on a lot of tenured experienced people who have a lot of existing relationships i've been with my company for 10 years So I'm not really suffering from not working in the office or being able to ask, you know, look over my cubicle wall and ask someone a question. However, a lot of our new hires are being onboarded remotely and so much of that learning experience of just sitting next to other people and listening to their phone calls and just, you know, learning by osmosis isn't happening and we are adapting. We are trying to figure out how to work through that However, I do wonder, like, will there be some sort of um, diminishing return or a gap in knowledge or capabilities that we'll realize a little bit further down the line?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's going to be, you know, for all businesses and all types of businesses. I know my, my wife, she's a researcher, and she's definitely lacking in that ability to network and meet people. But when it comes to actually getting the work done, it's a surprising number of people in her office that, I mean, it was like 90% when they polled them, they said they really enjoyed this kind of autonomy and be able to work remotely and I mean, none of them having to come into this gigantic office in the middle of Washington, D.C. I mean, I see her, her entire company moving to a remote kind of setting. Now, sure, you need to find ways to make sure that people still can you know, rub shoulders with their coworkers, still network, still feel connected, But that said, I think this is kind of this time has forced us to experiment with could this work or which parts of this could work. And I see a lot of companies not necessarily moving back exactly to how they were before, but instead finding this middle ground where they can kind of keep some of that remote piece, but at the same time build back in that interpersonal connection.
0: One of the things I hope really sticks is the professional flexibility. I feel like one of the things I really felt was, you know, I had a job where I had to be at work at 7.30 in the morning. And if you left before five, you got dirty looks type of thing. Um, You know, I'm in a production and commission-based environment. So I, I think that that plays a part. But what's happened now is that due to my childcare needs and my, you know, and just the the pandemic in general and how we're coping with it. You know, my work hours are, my core hours are now nine to four. And depending on my wife's schedule and my schedule, one of us works earlier in the morning. And after the kids go to bed, I I come back in here and I, you know, complete the rest of my day's work. And I don't love that. I, I don't like piecemealing my work day together. I like just having one block. But I remember when I started this job 10 years ago, you know, most people left their computers at work. We did not have email on our phones at the time. That was kind of a novelty of who had that. And so there was this, you know, hey, if we keep more people in the office longer, they'll be more productive. Current state technology offers us so much more options than that. And so one of the things I do hope, you know, especially having young kids and, and wanting to make sports events and wanting to be able to do a lot of other things, I do hope that the the general flexibility sticks. And I also think that it will stick. I actually feel pretty confident that that will happen because that's one of those things that once the, what's the expression, cat's out of the bag, I, I feel like that's going to be a hard thing to put back in. I think people have gotten, you know, proven that they're able to be effective and do their jobs with the flexibility to assign their own schedule and be available during core hours. So that's something I really do, do hope stays the same because, you know, especially with young children, I have wanted the ability to start my day at 9 (laughs) a.m., you know, at least some days of the week so much. When, uh, When my first son was born, we were actually in a situation at times where we were waking him up so that we could get to work on time because we had to, like, get through the chain of breakfast and everything like that. And that was gut wrenching, like knowing how important sleep is for a young child to actually wake them up early. And I can't imagine going back. And I and I feel like flexibility on things like that will will persist. And I and I certainly hope that they do.
1: Yeah, I think as well, the kind of travel and the commuting piece, I think that so many people have found ways to not have to drive and commute everywhere that Going back to driving and commuting every day, I'm hoping and I think a lot of people will be able to find kind of a middle ground to all of their transportation needs as we start to, you know, as things start to open back back up.
0: Yeah, why do we all have to, like, why do we all collectively decide to start our jobs in the same two-hour window so that we can just screw up traffic? like? Why isn't it staggered? Why isn't it flexible? I remember there have been people I work with who who will say, Hey, like, because of my personal schedule or just to avoid traffic, I will work from home for the first two hours, but let me drive to work at ten AM when it takes me half the time and there's no traffic to deal with. And that just makes so much sense to me. I've um I hardly drive anywhere at all these days, but I did just recently like go on a you know on a drive or two and i have found that my like road rage is so quick because i haven't sat in traffic in so long so now just like momentary frustrations will set me off because i just have no um i just have no patience for it at this point what do you think are the things that are going to snap back like what are the things that people can't do right now that the moment they get the chance to what about life is We're talking about what in quarantine will sort of persist after it's over. What do you think will immediately revert back? I
1: mean, I think some of the social things that have not been happening, like concerts and sporting events and packed bars, is going to be something that people really want. And so the moment that that's a possibility, I see people flocking to those type of things. The fact that I haven't been able to go and like, see a concert I mean it's yes you can watch concerts you can do there are some different ways to try to get that similar experience but there's nothing like being at a concert venue packed in a little place you know loud music I mean that's obviously not safe whatsoever (laughs) during a pandemic but uh man I definitely can't wait until that's a possibility and being able to be in that environment again and whether that is concert movie theater a bar all of these social locations that I think, especially for someone who lives in a big city, are like so vital to the community and the culture of the city. I mean, that's been, I think, very difficult to live live without. And I see people jumping right back to it as soon as possible.
0: I completely agree with you on concerts. I feel like when it's safe to do so, I feel like concerts are going to sell out. In minutes. Like, I think people will book twice the crowds. I think people will be desperate to go see live music because you're absolutely right. Nothing compares to a concert, to being in that venue. I think that that's an incredible experience. I bet people will buy every ticket they can. It will be interesting to see how that rolls out because I expect venues won't be able to handle the capacity of demand.
1: Well, sadly, they've probably been suffering so much in terms of not having incomes that they'll want as much, as many options, as many people as possible, because I know that's definitely been an industry that I don't know how they're still paying bills, so. I could
0: see weeknight concerts. I imagine the amount of artists that would be excited to get on the road and the people that would be craving it, I just imagine that that's going to explode when it's when it's able to happen. Movie theaters not so much. Like I for the longest time and again, maybe this is just because my wife is not a big fan of movie theaters and since we've had kids, like, it's almost impossible to go see a movie. Or if you do, it's you know, you gotta plan it weeks in advance. I have wished that movies would just be available on demand for the longest
1: time. I and that's happening more and more, I mean, Disney's trying to do that, right? So Disney, when they put out their new M- Mulan, it was like you could only see it on Disney Plus. You it was like a thirty dollars or something, and you'd get to watch it for twenty four hours, and you so that you'd get as many people to come and see it. it. Like they tried to do this new way of releasing a movie, and I'm actually not sure how well or it, like went went over. I, I didn't see it, but some companies are trying that, and I'm curious to see. If that is the way of the future or if people jump back to releasing a movie in a theater and how things used to be. I have no idea. The
0: movie theaters that we've really enjoyed are the ones that are more spaced out where they like serve meals and dinner and stuff like that. I think that's an enjoyable experience. But just going to a movie theater, I have always wished that I could just stream it. You know, and that might not be the case for everyone's home setup, but like, you know i invested in a in a big television and a nice comfortable couch and with the way virtual reality is going these days like you can put on a headset and it makes you feel like you're staring at a giant screen and a you know a unique environment you know and you buy a nice pair of headphones i i just don't really buy into the movie theater experience on its own now where if i could go get a a great meal and a beer and have a super comfortable you know, seat there, like that experience I've enjoyed, but also just th- being able to get out being more difficult just in the place I am in life. I wish lots of movies were released via streaming. I don't know that I would pay $30, but I would absolutely pay a standard movie ticket price or even a little bit more now that I'm cutting out the commute and the price of having to plan for it and, you know, negotiate my evening.
1: Well, I mean, that said though, if you were to take. Your, you know, two kids. You and your wife went to a movie theater, and you're gonna pay, what, sixty dollars for tickets? How much are they at least? I mean,
0: yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it for like renting a Disney movie. That makes sense. I think for everything else, I got a little bit of a problem with it because most likely I'm gonna be the only one that watches it. We did that for, I don't think it was Frozen 2, but there was some Disney movie that we did it. Like we purchased it when it came out. We watched it a couple of times because, you know, we got young kids and they'll watch a movie over and over again. Um and that was great. I mean, I think it cost like $25 to rent, which certainly seemed like a lot, but it was totally worth it. I'm definitely going to be a supporter of that. I hope that there's a there's a good middle ground that gets worked out of there. The monopoly of movie theaters on new releases, I don't quite understand. I get that they can sort of upsell you on beverages and things like that, but I don't know. I'm definitely willing to pay $20 to rent a new release.
1: I mean, the one other thing that I think will definitely come back, uh, maybe a little bit different than it is now or than it was in the past, but travel and world travel, and I think that will... People are really wanting that, being able to hop on a bus, take a plane somewhere, go to hotels. And I'm not sure exactly what will happen to the tourism and travel industry after the pandemic, if it will jump right back up to where it used to be, or if there will be some sort of middle ground as people are finding more ways to travel in their own backyard kind of thing, or you know, be more aware of the tourism and traveling that's nearby rather than always looking for you know, flying across the world or doing long trips, I'm curious to see how the travel industry moves forward. But I could see it either jumping right back or finding some sort of balance middle ground.
0: I do think that that's something people are really craving. I my my thought process is that like people will initially just be super excited about bars, concerts, seeing their coworkers. You know, I mentioned that I have a really Social work environment. And one of the things that we did was happy hours and dinners all the time. And I feel like that is going to come back real quickly. I will say in about a month or two, I think maybe the novelty of that will wear off. And I think people will be craving travel. I follow stocks a little bit. And as soon as the vaccines were announced, like carnival cruise lines and a lot of other like. You know vacation companies stock prices like shot back up because they've definitely been hurting for a long time so i think that people will be spending a lot of time doing that i agree with you i feel like that's that's going to be sort of a slower response just with different countries travel restrictions um as well as the fact that you know localized versus localized responses and in regards to immunities and um case reports, you know, maybe that'll have an effect a little bit, but I would expect that to to shoot back up pretty quickly too.
1: It's definitely an interesting time in trying to figure out when you have some sort of major shock to a system, right? Some things are going to go back to how they were and other things will have to adapt and kind of have this middle ground between what is forced to happen now and what is has happened in the past. So I am, I am pretty curious to think about like which parts of this... Pandemic, COVID quarantine experience will continue, and what won't? It's obviously been a tough time. I think for a lot of people. Obviously, I've been very fortunate, job wise, and you know, fam- family wise, to you know, stay fairly safe and healthy, and people's you know, generally keeping jobs and things. But it's um, been pretty di- difficult. I know, but with that difficulty, it will be super interesting to see how the world continues to evolve as we move out of this hopefully sooner rather than later but again who really knows
0: yeah i think that when this all started i had trouble coming to grips with the fact that it was our new reality i just kept thinking like something will happen and then like we'll go back to normal like i remember normal it was a month ago and we'll get back there like this will pass this will fade we'll get back to normal and then along the lines this became the new normal and so it's almost hard to imagine what things will be like because when the pandemic had only been happening for two months, I felt like if it ended or we got it under control, I knew what normal would be. We'd go back to that, but now we're so far separated from it that it will be a new normal that we, we won't go back to the way things were. I can hardly remember, you know, what my schedules were and and how, how life worked then. So, I do think that there's a lot that will carry over and we'll be thinking a lot as we can go back out and socialize about what we want to do. And I think a lot of, like you said, a lot of businesses will not be trying to implement things the way things were in 2019, but more so thinking, Hey, what's the most effective right way to move forward
1: now that we can. Yeah. And sadly, I think as we continue to get more, you know, more international world, is, you know, climate change and, and things affect the planet. I I don't see this as the, you know, last pandemic type thing that we're probably gonna go through in our lifetimes. And so I'm curious to see how we can really learn from this and grow from it and change some of our lifestyle habits to better be prepared in the future. I mean, at this point, it's to me, it's shocking. I'm even like watching TV and I start getting concerned that people aren't social distancing And I have to like be like, oh, wait, that's (laughs) it's okay. They don't need to be wearing masks and social distancing like they're a TV show from the 90s. Like I I get that. Um, But it's interesting how that mindset even has started to change, which, again, I I think is probably not a bad thing to start being more aware of some of that health and safety stuff. But it'll be really curious, really interesting to see what happens in the future and how we uh, adapt and change and grow, because, yeah, it's been definitely a difficult time.
0: Well, thanks, Matt. Up until this point, i had been able to keep the fear of a unrelated second pandemic at bay, but I appreciate that you're bringing that up now. You know, I was hoping to imagine this as a once in a lifetime event, but you know, yeah, we'll just go through this again. You never know. <laughs> well, hey, this is a good place to end it. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next one. Good night.
1: Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please come back or tell someone about it. Give us feedback or message us on our Instagram page, Two Friends From College. Feel free to suggest future topics or let
0: us know what you thought of today's episode. We hope you will join us again. Later.